too late now, right? Anyway, I was uh, discussing with a pastor friend of mine in Tennessee this week. This is the guy that I made the bet. I, don't, I think I mentioned this. I met, we, we bet on that Titans and Chiefs game last year to go to the Super Bowl, and he was wearing, just outside of Nashville where his church is, a Chiefs tie the next week. We're hoping that that happens again uh, this, this year one way or another. But we were talking about our love of Advent, how it represents for us this, this, this time of waiting and preparation, how it really encapsulates the Christian life, how we know that we are on a journey that we have not yet uh, arrived at the destination that we seek. And I was reflecting with him on maybe especially this year and some of the personal uh, uh, you know, loss in, in, in our own family, in our church. We think of uh, news of the, of the crazy virus every time you turn on the, the TV. There's just a sense that the world is not as it should be, right? If that's how you are feeling, this is the right time of year for you. Because Advent... Advent reminds us of those who waited, who waited for the coming of the Lord. When the world was not as it should be, who kept hope that one day things would be set right. <coughs> Excuse me. So I hope that that is the message that you take away not only today, but as we prepare for Christmas. That the Lord is in the process, even, even in ways that seem uh, to be unseen, even if we could be so uh, direct, even in the womb of a virgin, that the Lord is in the process of setting things right. I think it's appropriate for us to reflect on this young gal that literally brought the Lord Jesus into the world. And that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks or so. And our, our reflections will be somewhat imaginative, especially today, because there is not a ton recorded, at least in Scripture, about Mary, the mother of Jesus. But she is, to me, a fascinating figure and subject. Think of the way that she is portrayed, even in these pictures behind me, typically. Clean, beautiful robes, looking serene, holding a very calm baby. The reality of that, of that first Christmas, however, was quite a bit like our lives. Yes, there was joy, but it came mixed with pain and sorrow. Though God's promise to her was kept, Uncertainty lingered, and she knew that adversity was just around the corner. In fact, throughout her life, as we'll consider significant moments in her life over the next four weeks, we'll come to see the way that blessing and pain in the life of Mary were oftentimes intermingled. Maybe, maybe we can relate. As we engage on this Advent journey, aided by the mileposts of Mary's life, I pray that we'll come to our to more fully understand that in the messiness and the struggle of our own lives, that God is at work, even with the ability to bring blessing 
out of pain. Hear these words from Acts chapter 1. Beginning in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let's see where I cut my slide here. And when, he, when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking up on him, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as, they, as he went, behold... Two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room and where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas the son of James, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer and together with the women and Mary finally figured out, why, why are we reading Acts? The first Sunday of Advent. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Oh Lord, as we consider these words, may you give us a sense of hope. Not sentimentality, not warm, cozy feelings, but a sense of deep and abiding assurance that you are in control, that you love us, and that you are at work. In your name, amen. I want us to begin by remembering the reason behind this season. The season in which we wait and prepare to adequately welcome again the one delivered by young Mary. Advent. Advent. It's a four-week period when we pause and say, let's remember well. Let's remember well what this is all about. Let's reflect on the child born in Bethlehem some 2,000 years ago and the promise of hope that arrived with him. Let's recall who he has called us to be. Let's recall that he has equipped us to live out lives in which we follow him. It's a time that we can prepare ourselves spiritually to celebrate the birth of the baby we believe came with the express purpose of giving us salvation. As we, rem as we commemorate Christ's first advent, or coming, we also prepare for the time when he'll return as king. As we hope for his return, we think of his first arrival. No one was more invested in that first advent than Mary. It would be tough to refute that any human was ever closer to Jesus and his humanity than she was. No human loved him better. No human, I dare say, loved him more. That love also should lead us to understand that no one paid a greater price than she did for his birth 
in his life or during his death. In considering the events of Jesus' life through the eyes of Mary to help us on our walk back to the manger, I want us to begin at the end of Mary's life. And we'll work, we will work our way backwards in her life until we arrive at Jesus' coming. So Mary's final years, a subject that I had honestly until within the last month or so given very little thought to. What happened to Mary after, well, kind of the time of the gospel? Starting at the conclusion of her life does carry the challenge of the fact that we don't know much for certain. The verse that we read in Acts just a moment ago, which references her as being with the disciples, that is the last mention of her by name. And that's Acts chapter 1. The last mention of her by name in all of Scripture. So while Scripture is virtually silent, church traditions about Mary's life have not. In fact, some strands of Christianity believe that she was like some of the Old Testament folk, like Enoch or Elijah, who didn't actually face death at all. Others suggest that three days before she died, the angel Gabriel, the one who came and said to her that she had been chosen by God to bear and deliver and raise the Lord Jesus. Some say that he came to her again and told her that her death was, Im was in imminent. <laughs> Whether we buy these stories or not, it's undisputed that as Mary approached the end of her life, she did so with a sense of great anticipation. For she was looking forward to the reunion with her son. So we'll spend four weeks preparing ourselves to celebrate the birth of this child because of the fact that he is the one that conquered death. The Apostle Paul wrote in his epistle to the Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. We know from the passage in Acts that Mary saw Jesus in his resurrected form right up until the time of his ascension. Let me give you one of the thoughts that I have just found so intriguing over the last several weeks as I came across it and have thought about it. It's likely that she saw him several times after his resurrection. There is a suggestion, though it is purely speculation, but I am drawn to it in the way that it helps me understand the humanity of Jesus. You remember that story we read in John every Easter where Mary Magdalene and some of the other women are going to the tomb? They're going to anoint the body of Jesus now that the Sabbath day has passed. The end has come. Their hope has been vanquished. And then Jesus isn't there. There are angels there, but Jesus isn't there. And then he shows up. And Mary Magdalene thinks he's the gardener. Well, the speculation is, where was Jesus during that time, post-resurrection, before his appearance to Mary Magdalene? There are some who say he went to tell his mama he was okay. 
We won't know that for sure until heaven. There's no way to prove it or disprove it. But boy, just thinking about, just thinking about that. What if, what if that was true? As his, mother's, as his mother Mary's last view of him hanging from the cross, saying to his disciple John, Behold your mother, and to John, Behold your son, that tender moment where his concern for her outweighed his concern even for himself. I wonder if very early on that Easter morning, all of a sudden, as she laid in her bed with her pillow, no doubt soaked by tears, Jesus stood before her, stood before her just to let her know that he was okay. Think of the roller coaster that that mama had rode. Crucified on Good Friday, resurrected on Easter Sunday, and then another moment of Mary's life that I have given very little thought to. About 40 days later, as they stand on the mountain, this, this, this kid, as she looked at him probably, ascends into heaven. I've thought about it from the perspective of the disciples, but I've not thought about it from her perspective. I know that there are those among us even today who have lost children, some very young in age, some maybe not so young in age. But I also know that that is a loss that never departs, right? It always stays with you. And this young woman who had the courage to accept the role that God had given her had watched her son die, and then she loses him again. <laughs> Some traditions suggest that Mary likely died when she was about 60 years old. We think that Joseph died well before that. And so if you do some math with about how old she would have been when Jesus was born, and Jesus' ministry lasted, we think, until his early 30s, that means that Mary lived on this earth about 15 years, give or take, until her own death. I believe that Jesus' appearance to Mary, whenever it happened, and regardless of how frequently it occurred, would have had to have changed everything for her. She still would have carried the grief of his suffering with her. She would have carried the sense of separation and loss that each feel when we lose a loved one, especially a child. But the resurrection, the resurrection, just as it did for Peter and James and John, no doubt for Mary, the resurrection transformed those feelings of grief into hope. And our mission, our calling this Advent, as we prepare for Christmas, is to allow the same in our hearts and lives. The success of this Advent season will not be for us, cannot be for us, crossing off a shopping list or getting everything baked, as fun and important as that may be. It's to be people of hope. It's to be people of hope who let Jesus' light shine through us and act as witnesses so that others see him in us. <coughs> The one called by God to deliver his son into the world, this young girl Mary, serves as a great example for us. 
as we work in our own circles of influence to make them more like the kingdom that her son proclaimed. As I thought about Mary, I've wondered if she celebrated the birthday of Jesus in the years following his ascension. Of course, Christmas Day as we know it was not recognized by the church until several centuries after her death. But how could she not remember and mark the birth of her son each year? As she did, surely she would have looked back on his arrival through the lens of Easter with great hope that one day she would see her son again.